Our first scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. This is a story of Mary after the angel had appeared to her going and visiting with Elizabeth after she had discovered through an angel that she too would be having a baby. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as a sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, there are times when I'm reading the Bible, studying, that I really sort of wish I was a movie producer. Because uh, I like to try to play these scenes out in my mind anyway. And I, I recommend that to you as a technique and a way to meditate on God's Word. Especially when you're reading a story in the Bible, that you just stop and think, now what did that look like? And, and pick out who Mary would look, what Mary would look like, what Elizabeth would look like. And, and just sort of close your eyes and, and let this scene unfold and experience it. For yourself. This is a marvelous little story that occurs just right after Mary had been visited by the angel. And sometimes it gets lost because we talk about the angel coming and telling Mary she will have a baby, and then we sort of jump on over to Bethlehem where the baby is born. But in between there, Luke shares with us this interesting story of a conversation that two women had. Now, really, these two women, there's a lot of difference in them. And, and if you sort of in your mind make this movie about what this scene would look like, well, one of the women is, shall we say, middle-aged. That, that would be kind of kind. I mean, she's middle-aged, maybe going over into what we sometimes call those golden years. Right? And she is a rather urbane woman. She's married to a priest, and she spends quite a bit of her life in the city of Jerusalem because her husband, Zechariah, would be called to leave their little small Judean town and to go and to serve in the temple of, of Jerusalem for a while. And, and so she's a woman that's, that's been around a lot and has seen a lot, and I always think of her as being somewhat sophisticated. The other woman in the conversation, however, she's just a country girl. Maybe 14, 15 years old, if our information seems to be correct about her. From the rural area of Galilee, little bitty, tiny village of Nazareth. So when you put these two together in a room, you would think, well, they don't have a lot to say to each other. But how wrong we would be to think that. Maybe that's not a good spot to stand. 
Anytime I hear that, that happens every once in a while. I'm, I'm waiting for something, you know. <laughs> Mary and Elizabeth had a lot in common. First of all, they were kin to each other. Maybe not closely kin, but kin enough to know that they were kin. Usually we think of them as cousins. We don't know they were first cousins. Maybe first cousins once removed since they were in different generations there. But, but they were at least aware of each other, even though they lived four days' journey apart from one another. They also had something else in common. Their lives had just been recently totally changed by the appearance of an angel. Now for Elizabeth, the angel had appeared to her husband, Zechariah, back when they were in Jerusalem one time, and it was his turn to go and to serve in the temple, and he had gone into the holy place, and what a wonderful privilege that was. You know, for one thing, you had to sort of work your way up to that privilege, and then it was just every so often, you didn't get to do that very much. Because there were many priests and they had to take their turns when they got to be the ones that went into the holy place and served there before the altar of God. So it was one of those special days and you know that he was already excited because it was his turn to do that. And he went in and there in the holy place, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, had appeared to him and said, Zechariah, you'll never guess what I'm going to tell you. You guys are going to have a baby. Now, certainly not another baby, but your first baby. Now, that was something difficult for Zechariah to believe, because like many of the stories in the Old Testament, as well as now we're getting into the New, he was advanced in age, his wife was advanced in age, they had not had children, and now the angel was saying, you're going to have a child. And Zechariah kind of questioned that, and he got a sign, didn't he? Remember what his sign was? He couldn't talk for the entire time that his wife was carrying their child. Now, for Mary, it was a little different. Because Mary didn't have a husband for the angel to appear to. He had a fiancé. And later on, he was visited as well. But the angel appeared directly to Mary and said, You're going to have a baby. Now, as improbable as it is that Elizabeth was going to have a baby, being as old as she was, it was impossible for Mary to have a baby, at least and maintain her virtue. And she said that. She said, how can this be? And the angel said, this is going to be a special child. And he gave her a sign. He said, your sign is this. You know Elizabeth. You know that she's never had children. Guess what? She's in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Well, Mary got so excited that she had to go visit Elizabeth. Now, some people say, well, she's checking this out. I don't know. I don't know that she had a lack of faith. I think she was just excited that she wanted to go and spend some time with this, this, this woman who had wanted to have children and wasn't able to, and now she was six months along. So she makes the trip. If you're playing this out in your mind, you've got to have someone go with her. I mean, goodness, she's 14 or 15 years old. She has to walk for four days to get there, okay? So she goes for a four-day journey. She gets to Elizabeth's house, and as soon as she walks in the door and says, Elizabeth, hello, Elizabeth gets her sign, doesn't she? Because the baby that she is carrying, 
It says it leaped in her womb. You women will have to explain that to me. I don't know what exactly that was. It sounds like it was more than one of those kicks you get every once in a while. Because she knew something was going on there. And that this baby that she was carrying was aware that holiness had just walked in. And that they were that close to God. So they sat down and they started talking. Can you only imagine what that conversation was like? Now again, I'd have to depend on you ladies maybe to tell me, what would this lady who had all her life wanted to have a child and was never able to have one? Then you've got a young girl that really wasn't even thinking children, not yet married, engaged, or betrothed really. Because the way things worked back then, when you were just a child, your parents made the arrangements of who you would marry someday, and then you just grew up, and when you finally got to be of age, that's the person you married. And that's sort of the stage she was in. They had already gone through the betrothal process, and she was promised to this man named Joseph. But how could she have a child? So they sit and and they talk, and, and I don't know what all they talked about. Maybe just the fear that comes along sometimes, the concern, the joy certainly. I wonder if, Zach, if Elizabeth wasn't talking about how it would be to have a child at such an old age and maybe even talking about, I hope that I live long enough to see this child grow and, and mature. And, and what are people going to say when they hear that Elizabeth is having a baby? And think about Mary and what she would say about how well, what are people going to say when they find out Mary's having a baby? And what's my fiancé going to say when he finds out I'm having a baby? Interesting conversations, no doubt. We do have just a portion of that conversation recorded. And we read it just a moment ago. And it's the blessings that Elizabeth gives to Mary. And how she says that you truly are blessed among women. You are blessed to have this child and I am blessed to have you come and to visit with me but the part I really want us to hear this morning is the last blessing that she gave to Mary listen once again to what Elizabeth said blessed is she who believed that God would keep his word blessed is she who has believed That God will keep the promises He has made to you. Mary, from the day that these promises were made, her whole life changed. And her whole approach to life changed. Why? Because God had made some promises. Well, what are those promises? We have to back up in chapter 1 to where the angel is talking to Mary to hear what it is that has been promised to her. Listen to what the angel said. You're going to have a baby, and he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. Hear the promises? Your son's not going to be an average child. He's going to be a great child. He is going to be called the Son of the Most High. He is going to sit on the throne of King David. Now, Mary had heard all of her life that God was going to send a Messiah, that he was going to send someone who would once again rule over Israel. 
on the throne of David. It says, your son is going to be that son. He will reign over the house of Jacob, not for a long time, not for a hundred years. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He will be a holy child. He will be called the Son of God. Mary is blessed because she believed that. These are the things that God promised that young girl. And from the moment she heard them, she built her life on those promises. Because she knew whatever God had said he would do, he would do. Let's sing some more. Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of John in the life of Christ. And this is actually John's reflection and meditation on the Lord's Supper. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all told us of that night that Jesus began the Lord's Supper on the night of the Passover. John doesn't tell us that story because he knows we already know that story because we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But he tells us another story that happened earlier in Jesus' life in which he talked about bread and he talked about flesh and he talked about drinking of himself and the blood of Christ, knowing that when we heard these words, we would remember and know what Christ has done for us. Here again the word of God. So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, they abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats of me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats of this bread will live forever. Do you hear the promises that Jesus made in that passage. To those of us who partake of the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Now I know in this passage it extends beyond just this physical bread and this wine. But it certainly includes them. And Jesus is giving us promises that if we truly believe that we have been affected and changed by the fact that he lived in a body, that he died, that he was resurrected, that he shed his blood for us. And if we come and gather around this table and eat of this bread remembering his body and drink of this wine remembering his blood, he said, I'm going to make some promises to you. Hear them once again. He said, you will have eternal life. Those of you who eat of my flesh and drink of my blood... I will raise you up on that last day. Those of you who eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will receive true food and true drink. Your soul, your life will be nourished. Those of you who eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, I will come and live in you 
and you will live in me. Do we believe these promises? Are we willing, like Mary, who shaped her life based on the promises that were given to her, will we shape our lives based on these promises? You know, people who are eternal people, people who are going to live forever, people who will be raised up on the last day, we think differently. We act differently from people of this world. We have different values. We have a different perspective. Those of us who will live forever, we realize that we can live our lives through the most difficult circumstances with peace and confidence. Those of us who eat of the flesh and drink of the blood of Jesus realize that He comes to live in us and that He's just a breath away, a thought away. And whatever we go through, He is there with us. You are invited to come to this table. We're going to ask the men who are going to serve to go and to prepare at this time to serve us once again this bread and this wine. But what I want you to do today is to remember the promises that were made to everyone who breaks bread and everyone who drinks of this cup. And to let this bread and this cup be your angel today. And just as that angel came to Mary and made her those promises and she said, I am your servant and whatever you say, I believe. Then we today, as we take this bread and drink of this cup, we're saying to God, we know what you promised and we believe it. It's a marvelous little verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 20, that says, In Christ, every one of God's promises is a yes. That Christ came to fulfill every promise that God had ever made to all of his people, including us. If you were here last night, it was a beautiful wedding, wasn't it? And you know what weddings are all about? are about promises being made to each other and, and promises given and promises received. And in fact, God even takes that analogy and, and makes it between Jesus and his son, that, that we are the bride of Christ. Jesus has made us promises, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of eternal life, the promise of his presence with us every day that we live. So imagine the wedding ceremony as Jesus pledges those things to us. And then he grows quiet and waits for us to make promises to him. What have we promised him? To live our lives believing that he truly will love us and take care of us. To shape our lives based on this faith. To be people that he would treasure people that will bring his name, honor, and glory. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And if you have never publicly made those promises to Jesus, now would be your opportunity. You could come forward here. We would be glad to help you. If you've made those promises, but as you look at your life and think, I don't know that I've really lived up to my word.
We're going to have some of our elders at the back, along the sides. Just as we sing, go to them. Let them pray with you and for you. If you have any need in your life, if someone in your family or you yourself is ill and you would like to have the elders pray with you, make your way to the sides or to the back and they will spend time with you. Anything else going on in your life that would be blessed by being lifted up to God by godly men. This is your opportunity. Let's stand and sing together.